Hey, hey! It's contextualized. It is. And I'm excited because Jim is... <laughs> it's gonna be Jim's good wearing his Captain America shirt and he's excited to talk about <laughs> Acts 24. Like, let's... Avengers style. Just about a minute or two ago, as I was getting the uh, mic set up, I told Jim I was just going to set it up and leave and just let him have a conversation with himself today. Yeah, you all are laughing at me because my doors have been open and I'm like, just a little re- you know, pre-read. And <laughs> Acts 24, it is oh, phenomenal, man. It's oh, great. It's good. Well, um, I- I've got a question I wanted to ask you before we get into this. Um, but I-, I was thinking... Um, I've, I've had, I guess I've been sharing with some others about the preaching workshop stuff and just kind of what, what the Lord seems yeah. to be arranging here. But um, I've been thinking about that. Also thinking about you just wrapped up our series in First Corinthians. Right. And a lot of what you did in your sermon Sunday was recover the whole book. Yeah. And then you focus on the last passage. And it just made me think of um, the melodic line, which I've heard you mention from Charles Simeon Trust, and um, yeah, could you just just kind of tell us like what does that mean? The yeah. melodic line of a book, and even how does that affect how we read a given book? Yeah, so you've got we can use Acts as an example here in a second, but you've got you know sixty six books in the canon of Scripture, and when we study God's Word, we 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 study it in chunks that we can understand, so a verse or two, a paragraph or two, a sec, a pericope, a section. But its meaning has got to be connected to its context. And ultimately, you just stretch all the way out. What's the meaning of the whole book? And so the principle is that every book of the Bible has a melody or a tune that is heard and understood. So whether it's in the book of Philippians, how often Paul says, you know, I'm I'm so refreshed by our partnership and fellowship in the gospel. So if you read Philippians over and over, you're like, wow, this shows up everywhere. So now as I preach on a particular text in Philippians, like the partnership in the gospel is underneath this. It's like this mm. melody. And so whether it's, you know, Beethoven's fifth, dun, 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 like it, that, that melody shows up all throughout his, his overture, yeah. right? right? And so books of the Bible should be similar. And so that's what we tried to do on Sunday in 1 Corinthians to say it's the conclusion of a letter. But of course we would expect Paul to say, stand firm, grow up, yeah. do everything in love. Why would we expect it? Well, because we've experienced that throughout the whole letter, these themes. So we kind of try to touch on the melodic line or the melody of it. Um, The book of Acts, right? So you've got Luke wrote his gospel as well as the book of Acts. And Acts is about all that Jesus continued to do and teach. But in Luke chapter 1, in Luke all the way back, Luke says, "I, I, I wanted to write something to you, Theophilus. So you'd have clarity of all the things that happened with Jesus. And then we move forward into the second saga you know the the book of acts and you have now i'm going to continue telling you what jesus kept doing even after he was ascended to the father Mm -hmm. so we should expect in the book of acts a clear articulation so we can have certainty about the things that happened in the new testament church that were ultimately jesus still working among his people luke told us that yeah so as we see the kingdom growing which we certainly will in this passage it's kind of the melody of Acts. Yeah. We've heard this before, I guess, yeah. is what yeah, I'm yeah, kind of feeling. Yeah. And that's yeah, what yeah. that melody right. does. Haven't right. we already studied this? Well, no. We studied chapter 23. <laughs> but the melody, you could hear but it in both yeah, sections. Yeah. So it's probably one of my favorite principles in all of either, I guess that's more biblical theology than anything, but in teaching is, and sometimes I struggle and, and I preach too much the melodic line and not the particular text, but the text always informs the melody of the whole book. But the melody of the whole book is going to inform the meaning of the text. And if I divorce right. them or try to just do it, 
in a topical way, you know, disconnected from the main themes, yeah. I probably run the risk of not understanding what the passage is saying. Yeah, yeah, that's so. that's really helpful. And I, I think having an awareness of that um, can help us not see the Bible as an encyclopedia of just, um, and, and not that it's bad to turn to this page for this topic kind of thing, but mm-hmm. when you get to that topic, you really need to see how does it fit in yeah. with the context and the law decline of where it's at. And even, you know, where we're at, I mean, Paul's on trial for five or six chapters here, but it's not just Paul on trial. It's part of Jesus building his kingdom. Yes. And like, if I see that, that changes how I think about Paul being on trial or in prison. And he gets left there for two years at the end of the passage here. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, right. it's Jesus building his kingdom through Paul. And if I'm going to say I want to understand Paul's navigating persecution, I could do that from the text we're about to look at. But if I want to say that it's a part of a bigger narrative, which you just summarized very well, there's two things going on. One, it's, the, it's what's going on in the text, but it's also the bigger umbrella idea. Yeah. And um, I think that hopefully our congregation will experience that when we look at Job this summer, which AJ is going to start on that in a few weeks. And we'll spend 15 weeks in Job. Something like that. Yeah. But we'll do yeah, something similar. We'll look at the very yeah. beginning of the book and be like, what's, what's going on in this whole book? Yeah. That in you know the text we're in informs that, and the whole book informs each text that we're going to be in, and we can't not do that. Yeah. And I think that's what makes reading and preaching the scriptures enjoyable, because the Holy Spirit wrote the text through, obviously through inspired uh, servants that were reminded of all the things that Jesus did, and so we have confidence not only that it's going to be put together like any great piece of literature, but it's mm-hmm. been divinely put together, and so. Yeah. We should expect that. And if our plans stay the same, then after Job, we'll probably do 1 Samuel. And I'm really excited about how the, the big yeah. melody of 1 Samuel, of God being the king, and there's no other king than God, then every little story in the yeah. book of 1 Samuel is really informed by that as well as informs it. And then it gets to be magical almost to see two things at once. What's yeah. happening in this passage, but what's the bigger story? The bigger. And, and then... What's the What's, bigger, bigger story? <laughs> yeah. And the bigger, bigger story yeah. is always Christ. Yeah. But the bigger, bigger, bigger story is our life in Christ because one story of redemption. Yeah. So yeah. it gets pretty magical. And pretty That's awesome. Well, just briefly um, on a practical note, because um, I think, I don't know, I imagine that this is helpful for people listening to, to think about, like, okay, what's the melodic line? If, so just say somebody's at home and they're reading through a book of the Bible in their devotional time or as a family or, you know, whatever. How... How can you find, like, how do you find the melodic line? Like, how do you figure this out? Um, One of my heroes in preaching, Kent Hughes, uh, was once doing a preaching workshop, and he said, you know, before I ever start to preach, I've read a book 40 or 50 times. Wow. I just get up and read it. I just get up and read it. And so reading and rereading something, and we tend to just read something once and move on. You know, maybe I've got a one-year Bible reading plan. I can't stop. I can't slow down. But if you're really studying, like, what's the melody of a certain book, reading and rereading, hearing it audibly read to you as you drive around, as you run, whatever, walk. Um, one of the tools is to look at the very beginning and the very end. Look at the top and the tail. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting. I didn't say this Sunday, but in the book of 1 Corinthians, the very beginning of the book talks about a church that's called with all the saints who've been called. And then in chapter 16, what does Paul do? He starts and says, now for the collection you're going to do for all the churches. Yeah. I didn't mention that in my preaching, but like I noted that in my reading. of like, look at this. He's going to start and say, church at Corinth, you're a part of something way bigger. Yeah. And he's going to end the book saying, church at Corinth, part go be a part of something way bigger. Yeah. And so you've got that we would call, I call that the top and tail. You read the beginning and the end of something. It's just like what my 
children should do for school. Like read the introduction, read the conclusion, and maybe read the first line of every paragraph. And now you're ready to take the test, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so there's that. Look for repeated words. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, a study that's fun to do that is the book of Jude. Uh, very, it's like 25 verses, it's the whole book, but it's very dense. It's hard to understand. If you first read it, you're like, whoa. But if you realize, I think six times the word kept or keep is uh-huh. in the book of Jude, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a second. Keep yourself in the love of him who keeps you. Yeah. Oh, there are, there are rebellious angels, demons, who he has he's keeping in chains. Yeah. So I may not understand all the weird parts of that book yet, but I see that the word kept is repeated over and over and over. So therefore, the melody of the book of Jube is basically keep keep yourself in the, in, in the love of and in in the providence of and in confidence because of him who keeps you. Yeah. So again, yeah. the melodic line would help everything out that's great Um, and you know I'm just thinking um, as I prepare to start our series in Job um, just hearing you say that man I should go read I've I've been reading it and doing some studies of that but like I'm I'm going on vacation next week man like what if just in that time just relaxingly so to speak read Job just kind of keep reading it and and reading it a couple times Um, there's just I think what you're touching on there there's a meditative aspect to that and as we meditate and sit in that you start to notice things or see things that you didn't see that's right originally and, and some of that will be the melodic line type stuff yep so man well we're 10 minutes in and we haven't even started so well this good. chapter doesn't need a lot of time it just needs a lot of trust i mean just yes. laugh just laugh at what is described yeah, here this is too it is good laughable. it's awesome so um so what's going on falls in prison, you got the Jews, right, uh, came at him. Um, Romans kind of rescued him, so to speak, but he's in, he's in prison, in, in arre- under arrest with them. And, and he's been brought at this point to Felix, the governor. We're in Acts 24. And uh, what's going to happen in this chapter is um, the Jews, kind of the Jewish leaders, are going to come and, and present their case to Felix, the governor. And then Paul's going to make a defense, and we get to hear a little bit after that. Um, but Jim's just here smiling and was laughing and just... Yeah, take it away. Where so, <laughs> I'm preaching on the first part of the Lord's Prayer this Sunday. So we're going to go from Matthew chapter 6. But in that prayer, we say, you know, thy kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so I, I, this is just like amazing to me as we anticipate the fact that we're going to have persecution in the world. We're going to have challenge. We're going to have open doors with opposition to go back to what we looked at last week in First Corinthians. But now you have the Jews show up and they're just saying, hey... Felix, Paul is a plague. Like, this man is the problem in the world. Yes. He stirs up riots. He's a ringleader of a sect of Nazareth. I mean, like, he's trying to... He profaned... Yeah. This guy's everything that's wrong with the world. And so, if Christians listen to me, if you're hearing this, don't necessarily go too far with what I'm about to say, but don't be so contorted if the world says mm. you're what's wrong with the world you're a plague yeah get out of our yeah. systems yeah go do your thing off in private right we don't have to combat the world on the world's terms and be like oh yeah yes i'm not a plague like me please like me right just let it be said in a way and just look in the scriptures for how these things have been said for centuries. Yeah. And so it just makes me laugh a little bit. Like, no one's ever called me a plague. I'm sure I get on people's nerves. <laughs> but not to that extent. No, for we have found this man a plague. 
Yeah, five. And it, I mean, it just shows, I think, how much animosity they have towards Paul. And, and that shouldn't be unexpected. And um, side note, plug for Friday. Um, if you're around, come to the Equip Seminar on Calvin's little book on the Christian life. But one of the, one of the points he makes there, and he's just talking about Scripture, is that if Jesus suffered, what makes us think that we would be any different if we're united to him? Like, if that's, if that's what God the Father had ordained for his beloved son, why would we be any different? Correct. And, and Scripture makes that that argument. And, and, you know, Jesus had such animosity thrown at him from Jewish leaders. So why would Paul have anything different? Yeah. And why would he not be, be called a play? No, and it's important to jump down to verse 21 just for, the, for a moment to realize that Paul knows that the reason he's on trial is because it's with respect to the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. So one area we do need to be careful is we can invite persecution by emphasizing more than we ought a yeah. part of what the scriptures teach or a part of Christian doctrine and making it the big thing that we are known for. Yeah. And I'm not even going to say whether we should or we shouldn't. Obviously, the voices in culture, we should. But what Paul, one of the reasons I think he's so confident yeah. is he's, he's on trial, not because of any critique he's given to Felix, not because of any critique he's given to the moral compass of Rome. Right. His critique is by the Jews because he declared Christ was resurrected. Yeah. And this is a God worthy of following. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it's the gospel. It's what he says in First Corinthians fifteen. This the, the gospel is of first importance, and that's, I guess that that should be the tip of the spear of what we. Yeah. Or aggravating the world with if we want to the reason I make you so mad is I really believe that in a moment we're all going to get new bodies and yeah. we're going to be resurrected with Jesus yeah. well that's crazy okay the reason I'm bothering you is because I think that the crazy is going to happen because yeah. it did happen yeah right and well how can you say that like modern science says that people are still dead no no the reason you think I'm crazy is because I believe the resurrection right. happened and my whole life is about seeking to obey and honor and reflect the resurrected Christ in me that's all I got. Yeah. And so, dude, I'm laughing a little bit because the way that where the story goes, yes, he defends himself. He points back to the resurrection of Jesus. And then in the end, what God does in his sovereignty is he basically changes the, the prison sentence into something that almost appears like an honor. Yeah, right, right. It's hilarious. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump to that. Shortly, uh, I I do find it really interesting that you know they, they make they bring this charge and they're just they're just kind of hurling these these they're kind of name calling yeah. Paul in front of Felix. Um, there's not a whole lot of hard evidence that they bring here, um, and what Paul says um, in his response is, "Hey, you know, I, I only got here 12 days ago. I went up to worship. Uh, they didn't find me causing a dissension. I was just I was there worshiping. I was doing." what you're supposed to be doing there. Uh, and then verse 13, neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. And so Paul, Paul basically just says like, these guys are hurling stuff and, and they can't back any of it up. And, uh, and he's confident in that. And so he, he makes that defense, but he doesn't, he doesn't over, over defend himself. He just kind of makes that, but then moves on in verse 14 and says, this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers. I believe everything in the law and the prophets, everything in the Old Testament, I believe it, and I have hope in God and of the resurrection. And so he basically <laughs> just kind of boils it down to, I believe the scriptures, I worship the one true God, and I have hope of resurrection, and that's what this is all about. 
I said it maybe three or four weeks ago, I think, in our First Corinthians series. It wasn't in my notes. I remember just saying it. But something along the lines of, wouldn't it be great if as the world comes at us, you just you can kind of look at like, what else did you expect me to say? Yeah. I believe the scriptures to be the inerrant word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit that is the testimony of God's work in the world through his son, Jesus, who proved he was who he said he was by his death and resurrection. I believe, yeah. not that you, you know, hit repeat, because it can be offensive, but what did you expect me to say? And so I think that that's something that the world needs desperately, is for yeah. the church to say, this is what I put my hope in. And if I'm on trial for putting my hope in that, okay. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, you, you said it, he doesn't go too far. He doesn't swing so far as to get combative with them. Right. He actually just defends himself. And I would I would encourage all of us listening that the way he defends himself is very important. He doesn't defend himself by declaring their idiocy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, they name call him, so to speak, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he has no back. He basically says, um, you're saying I've done this. Here's what I did 12 days ago. This happened. I did this. Nobody did that. What else are you referencing that I don't know about? Yeah. And with a calm demeanor. Yeah. And so I, I think that, yeah. I don't want to be careful not to give examples because I don't want to kind of lead us, but I know there's some major cultural issues at play around this, certainly with regards gender or sexuality or race. I think it's an important thing for a Christian to be able to say, I was there. This is how I treated someone of a, of a different sexual orientation by their estimation or of a different skin color. Did you see the way I love them? Like, did yeah. you see that? Like, right. in fact, I do this all the time, right. whether I'm coaching kids' sports teams or whatever. Like, this is, you saw me there. How did I act? Did yeah. I act like someone who's full of hate? Did I act like someone who's bigoted? Right. And I've used that a few times with someone be like, you're very offended by what I believe the scriptures teach. You ever seen me not love somebody? Like, if I have, please tell me, because I need to repent of that, mm. because I believe the scriptures are true. But I'm not going to lob it yeah. back at you and say, well, you have the wrong definition. And let's, let's take you to court. Yeah. I think it's okay. Maybe we should at some level culturally, but I think it's okay also just to say, no, this is what I did, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any evidence to the contrary? Yeah. And it's over. Yeah. At least it's neutralized. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I think it's so tempting and easy to take a situation like that and want to blow it up, want to overreact, want to make some it people a big I deal, know. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying some of us are more prone to that. Yeah, some some but, people are like, I'll oh, retreat from But just to say, yeah. like, you know, if, if you have something against me, like, I, I think, and, and even what Paul says here in verse 16, he says, I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. It's, I think to be able to say something like that, like I, I'm endeavoring to, to have a clear conscience yeah. in how I've treated this person or what I've done in this regard. If you see something, like, can, can you show me? Like, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. If you can show me and tell me about that. So what you're saying is a Christian rooted in Christ should be free to actually request exposure. Yeah. And that is a powerful evangelistic as well as apologetic tool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's strong. And that's, and I, I mean, I'm, you know, Friday night and the Calvin stuff is just all in my mind because that's what I'm preparing for and reading and. He talks the, the whole second chapter is about self denial and how necessary that is for the Christian life and how just in in this instance of the example we're talking about we have to be willing to deny ourselves or to lose this or that or the other it's okay I mean, it's not a big deal it's like it's okay if I lose that because 
there's the hope of the resurrection, and I know what's coming, and you can't take that. You can't touch that. So for Jim, I can't speak for everybody, but I know that I'm not called to go to street corners and preach. I just I feel I'm called to preach to the church, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and I've talked to others about that. Right. But, you know, I think it's important for me at, if I were ever accused, which I, I have been mostly in private conversation because people would say, well, you, you're so conservative on certain of these matters, and how can you be that way and be so unloving or whatever? Just to even just say, have you seen me trying to create a crisis of sexuality among people in a group ever? Do you ever see me just try to find out what people believe press them in a public way and pin them down because I feel like I can use biology, scripture, and persuasiveness or whatever to yeah. just just put them in the place they should be. Have you ever seen me do that? And I, and I hope the answer would be no, but what I have seen you do is be pretty strong that the scriptures are your authority in life and in practice, and the most important thing in the scriptures is this. Well, yeah. that all comes from Paul. Yeah, It's our first Corinthians study. Right. It's right. what we're seeing right, right. here. And, you know, let me ask you a question, and I'll move the narrative forward here. When Paul does this, right, so he does defend himself carefully mm-hmm. with a clean conscience, right. what, what happens next? How would you summarize the transition of the narrative starting in, you know, 22 and, <laughs> yeah. and following? I mean, it, 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 it's really, again, the whole scene is comical because you got to imagine these Jewish leaders are all, you know, their feathers are ruffled. Paul appears to be fairly yeah. calm and content. And then 22, Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way. So he knows some things about the followers of Jesus. He just put them off. <laughs> and he says, this other guy is going to decide your case. Uh, we, we get down to the end, even in verse 27, and read that two years elapse. And then Felix is succeeded by, by Festus. And so Paul just gets left in prison for two more years. Like the, the trial, there's no speedy trial. There's no, he's just there. But um, he's in custody. Um, verse 23, he, he gets to have some liberty. Uh, none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So he's, he's in custody, but it doesn't seem terrible. And then verse 24, uh, Felix uh, comes with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, sent for Paul, heard him speak about the faith in Christ Jesus. <laughs> like, he, gets, he gets invited to speak with the governor and his wife. Paul preaches you know, presents the gospel again. And then Felix says, well, go away again. You know, if I get another opportunity, I'll summon you. And it, then we, we read in verse 26 that Felix really just wanted to see if he could get some money uh, from Paul, just trying to bribe him in that. But, 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 but go ahead. so he sent for him often and conversed with him. End of verse 26. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons I was laughing earlier, and Shannon's wondering what's so funny in here, um, <laughs> is... I wonder if Felix said, I'm going to have another person oversee this case because I'd rather just hang out with Paul. <laughs> and like, yeah, I'm going to set a system about he's got to stay in prison until he has his actual trial. That could take some time. But like, be comfortable, dude. And by yeah. the way, my wife wants to meet you. Yeah. Like I went home and told her yesterday about all that they're saying about you. And I'm pretty knowledgeable about the way. And you just, you want to have dinner? Come on over to our house. Like, what's your favorite meal? Or got any food allergies? I mean, I just... Again, let's go back to the melodic line since you yeah. started that yeah, way. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. if the melodic line is this is going to be a narrative of all that Jesus continued to do and, 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 and say through his servants in the places where the gospel of the kingdom is going to grow and going to touch. 
And early on in the book, the Holy Spirit's given to the church and the Lord's adding to their number daily, those who are being saved. We should read this with like this, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm not surprised that Paul is safe in a prison, very comfortable and hanging out with the governor and yeah. forming a friendship. And quite frankly, when I get done reading this, I pray, God, would you do that for us in your church now? Mm. I pray that for AJ. I pray it for me. I pray it for every person that's at Christ Community that would we please position ourselves in such ways that the way we defend the gospel causes the people who might even disagree with us to be like, you want to hang out? Yeah. Like, let's yeah. hang out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're not shocked when it happens. We're not anxious all the time as though everything's about to be a debate. We don't know much about Drusilla. We don't know much, I don't think, about Felix's profession of faith, if at all. He obviously does want money. But for two years, he hung out with Paul and he, wanted to converse with him often. Yeah. That's an amazing conclusion to a chapter that starts when people are like, this dude's the plague. <laughs> yeah, really? Because I, th- right. I think, like the let's have him over our house. He's like, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> I want to um, hear about, hear, hear more from him. I just, I'm finding the discussion you and Paul did in chapter 23 last week, and this one is so encouraging right now. Well, and I, I think after, you know, you listened to that, and we were talking throughout the week, and you, you just mentioned how Paul and I talked a lot about the phrase calm boldness or bold calmness. I think you even mentioned that again in the Sermon Sunday, and that, I don't, I don't remember when you first mentioned that phrase, but it's been a while, and that phrase has just kind of stuck, but I think it, it, I just think that that phrase, calm boldness or bold calmness, really encapsulates all of what we're talking about in this chapter, that that we would boldly hold to all that God teaches. We don't budge, we don't give an inch on what God says, but we do it calmly, confidently, with contentment, not as, you know, just, not just being an aggravation to those around us, not, not being a plague to them, Though they may think that we're a plague, be it, you know that we, when we preach Christ, it's the stench of death to some. Yeah, absolutely. But but it's the aroma of life to others. Um, but yeah, I, I've just been struck by that phrase. So it will go very well with what for those that listen this week to Sunday's text. Mm. Like just Jesus saying, "I'm going to give you a pattern of prayer, and it's going to start." By, you know, obviously your identity as a child of God, talking to God the Father. But the first petition is bring your kingdom on earth. Would all the priorities of the kingdom of God be my priorities? Would all of my confidence in the will of God that will be victorious in the end become my will, my hope? And that's how we're supposed to pray. There's nothing, it's, there's nothing about comfort. There's nothing about just false peace or just you know ease yeah pleasure god gives those things because he's a god of good gifts but we're to pray with sort of this mentality of wherever god sends me it's his kingdom going there through me yeah and you just get the feeling that paul paul just knew that wherever he went yeah yeah and i want to say paul um referenced last week um in our podcast jesus's words of you will be my witnesses before governors, rulers, leaders, yep. you know, nations. Like, Jesus says that, yep. and then, like, that's exactly that what we're saying is Paul is getting to be a witness for two years to Felix and Drusilla, and, and probably others are there 
right listening in it's probably not just those three like the, you know like God is using him yeah. to build and further his kingdom bring his kingdom here that's good that's so, really great may we be used in the same heck way. yeah two closing comments just to tie things up first of all it might have been the Hosea series calm boldness bold calmness but I can't remember Habakkuk I meant Habakkuk sorry <laughs> Yeah, we haven't like, gotten Hosea. Hosea yeah. Yeah. I think it might have been Habakkuk, yeah, be, but be. yeah, because of God ta- right. talking to him about how enduring the suffering, have a bold calmness and a calm boldness about what's about to be. Yeah, It may not have been that book. It could have been any of the books because yeah. it's part of the melody of the Bible. I, right. I can't remember. Second of all, last week when I was listening to you and Paul talk, there were times in which I didn't know which Paul you were talking about. You'd ask him a question. <laughs> you'd be like, so what does do Paul was, yeah. say <laughs> to this? And I'm like, do tell us, Corman. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, wait, no, 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 not that Paul. So, Other Paul. Apostle Paul. <laughs> yeah, that had me on my toes. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week, people. Fun times. Have a great rest of your week.